Hey guys, this episode is coming out a little bit early. It's actually coming out before Tuesday because we talk about the midterms and the midterms are on Tuesday, November 8th. Uh, so please get out there, go vote. Please, 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 please. Um, but the reason why I wanted to put this out a little bit before Tuesday was because, um, like I said, we do talk about the midterms and we give an interesting perspective. I got a chance to meet with Che. He's an amazing uh, comedian and an activist for the undocumented immigrant community. And we talked about some of the things that you can do to help your undocumented friends. And voting was definitely on that list. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And please remember, go vote. How are you? How are how are things? Things are good. Things are good. Actually, uh, you know, uh, you know, not to get ahead of uh, of everything. You know, I'm gonna talk about you know growing up undocumented and everything. And uh, with this election cycle coming up, you know, I I didn't want to sit this one out. So I've been volunteering with a lot of like organizations around the country, making phone calls, you know, shooting texts, bugging my friends like, hey, if you love me, you'll vote. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> realizing, like, yo, no, I might not be able to vote, but maybe I can inspire uh, 40, 50 people to get get up and go, you know, who wouldn't have done it before. And that's a, that's a small victory in my, on my end. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we I'm I'm going to start my pushes in the next you know day or so yeah. um, uh, about all of that. But, yeah, that's that's that's. That's the that's that's the move, man, is getting people. Please, if you're in here right now, if you're listening to this, please get out and vote. Go vote. Vote, yeah, vote, go. vote, 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 vote. <laughs> I don't want things to get worse. You know, I uh, I had a lot of people, you know, say that, you know, for a while they were doing the no, no voto, no reforma, no voto campaign, which was personally as somebody who's undocumented, you know, who, who can't vote, you know, has been undocumented, so that's a problem with my status, like, you know, when I hear people be like, ah, oh, there's no reform, there's no vote. I'm like, hey, man, things can get worse. So please, like, vote because, you know, I understand what you're trying to do. Like, there hasn't been reform in this country in almost 40 years. But by saying, well, screw it, I'm not going to vote, man. The Republicans are coming and take whatever little little rights we have right now so it can get worse. So that that worried me for a while there. Yeah, it absolutely can get worse. Um, so it is imperative that people go out and vote. Um, I see a couple people in the comments saying that they uh, they either already voted or they're going to vote. Yeah, a lot of states you can vote early. So um, if you can't make it on Tuesday afternoon, um, try to vote this weekend. Go vote this weekend. Um, a lot of folks uh, are able to vote uh, early in in a lot of states. So please do try to try to go ahead and and do that. And in the links, I'll throw some resources and stuff down below. But um, so, Che, who let's in, introduce yourself for the podcast. Who are you? Uh, where can people find you? What do you do? Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, most people, I guess I'll tell them my origin story. I guess it always, you know, kind of helps people understand uh, where I come from and why I do what I do. Uh, I uh, My mother brought me here when I was six from the Dominican Republic because uh, she was trying to escape an abusive marriage. You know, it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, abuse at the house. So we came here and, you know, fear of going back. My mom decided to overstay, you know, the visa. I was sick, so I didn't have a choice. You know, she was the person I was with. So from then on, you know, I, I grew up in New York City. So when you grow up like that, um, 
you know, when you grow up, especially like, you know, you know, liberal city like New York, you know, uh, they give everything to a kid. You know, they act, they don't treat you like you're undocumented. They, 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 you know, they let you go to school. I got health care, you know, so that's why it wasn't until I was 17 and I was trying to go to college that my mom was like, hey, you're undocumented. Like all those college dreams like that you've been having, like, are not going to happen. And, you know, this was like 2005, 2006. So like. The internet was around, but Google wasn't like that. So you could, I really didn't know how to like Google undocumented scholarships or anything like that. So with my mom's lack of enthusiasm of, you know, finding a way for me to go to college, I just kind of like, you know, just threw my hands up and decided like, screw it. Like I was, I was a very smart kid. I was in honor classes and I had a scholarship to St. John's University in New York. And, you know, they were like, what's your social? And I was like, oh yeah, y'all need that. I'll be back. And, you know, I just, you know, didn't come back. You know, it was, I, a lot of jobs was like, oh, I need a social. I'll be back. And I just didn't come back. It was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, y'all asking for that. You know, now I think like, why do you need white man's paperwork? Like, that's just what I <laughs> Every time people ask me for a social and stuff like that. Um, so, but, but the one thing that like, you know, uh, was kind of like a blessing for me was um, I, I, I was in New York City. So, you know, I didn't know that New York City was like the mecca of stand-up comedy. Like everybody in the world wants to go there to perform. So I was very lucky. I just happened to be in the city where it happens, you know? So it was one conversation I was having with a partner at the time and on a whim, I was telling her, you know, I, I don't have a future. I'm undocumented. I can't go to college. I can't really hold down a job. Like every time I do, they ask me for paperwork. So... Just I don't know who said it, but somebody was like, you know, you should do stand up comedy. And I was like, yo, that's a good idea. Like, you know, I'm going to try it. Right. So I, I found an open mic like that. I Googled. I didn't Google scholarships, but I Google open mic. <laughs> you know, like, you know, as a kid, you're like, All right, this seems easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I found like a little uh, uh, open mic in, in Manhattan because I was living out in Queens. And I go to Manhattan and, you know, my first open mic was five minutes. Um. I got four laughs and after the show, one, one guy came up to me and he was like, Oh man, I really like your jokes. Uh, I had one about Dora the Explorer. I don't even know if it's offensive now, but I remember, I remember it was my very first joke ever. I said that, uh, that I think Dora the Explorer is just really a coyote, like trying to sneak across the border. Like I can't (laughs) wait for the one day. I can't wait for the one day when like a whole family just pops out of her book bag and it's like, listen, you're taking way too long. I get you gotta like go through, you know. So like people laugh and, and then guys like, man, that was so imaginative. Like I really like that. I, and I was like, they were like, is this like how long have you been doing it? And I was like, it was my first night. And they were like, what? Like you have like, you know, most most people who do comedy their first nights, most of the jokes are like you know, jerking off jokes and. You know, right, yeah. got, got drunk, but mine was like about already like about politics a little bit. And it was, you know, a little more like heady, you know, so practice. I'm going to go out every night. And I, I pursued that dream very, very, very hard. Uh, undocumented, like meetings, meeting some big people, man. I met like Chris Rock. I met uh, a lot wow. of people. I met uh, I did some some road work with Michael Che, Pete Davidson, a lot of people that today run the culture of comedy. Uh, man, I was there, man. If you look in their pictures, I'd be like, yo, that's me. And be like, hey. I was like, I was low key, like about, you know, my, my I didn't tell anybody about my status. I, I got to a lot of places without people asking for papers. And that was like the blessing where, you know, if, you know, I was getting paid cash, a lot of these things, like just 
They don't ask you for paperwork in the in the in the industry like that a lot. So I I, I maneuvered through a lot of years, and then um, you know, but also I was working as a nursing assistant. So I'm gonna wrap up this whole thing, you know, and but um, in comedy itself, like I I, I faced a lot of racism once I did start being more open about my status. A lot of comedy club owners who have been buddy buddies with me, like, you know, Trump had won and it was all that rhetoric that made me want to like come out and be like, yo, like y'all laughing about kids in cages. Like that could have been me. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm lucky I haven't, I haven't been caught. You know, I'm lucky that this hasn't happened to me. And, uh, I felt the backlash hard, man. The comedy world really, uh, a lot of people, you know, don't realize that most of the comedy chains in this in this country are owned by white men. Uh, so a small, like maybe like ten white men, control what comedy is and who gets to grow their career in that world. You know, so right. once I started coming like forth about my politics and very anti-Trump, you know, it it was a backlash. So so I kind of had to go back to being a nursing assistant, and it was very hard seeing my career like dip after all the work that I've done. But, you know, then the pandemic hit and I started going on TikTok and started talking about like, you know, my status and my problems with it. And like, even though I got married and I started going on TikTok and started talking about like, you know, my status and my problems with it. And like, even though I got married and I started going on TikTok and started talking about like, you know, my status and my problems with it. And like, even though I got married in a temporary green card, like when I thought I was finally going to get citizenship, the U.S. government found out something. Now I'm in... I'm in danger of losing this status and getting deported. So it's like, I always call it uh, mm. moving the goalposts, you know? Like, just when you think you're at the finish line, you know, they just go, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, it's another 40 yards, you know? That, that, that was that, yeah, it was that flag, you know what I mean? When you were 19, they flagged yeah. me on something yeah. when I was 19 at 33. And that's kind of like what, 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 what really snapped me, you know, because uh, my last step was supposed to be like becoming a citizen in 2021. Right. And then um, it was like 2020. So then the pandemic hit. Right. So I went I personally decided to go back to be a nursing assistant. So I was working in nursing homes during the height of pandemic where we were losing like 20, 30 people a month. You know, it was very traumatic and all that stuff. And and finally, I decided to like apply for citizenship because I thought, you know, OK, this is the end and everything. Right, right. And that's when I found out everything that they were like, no, we found this out about you. You know, if you go any further, you can get deported. We don't even know if we're going to renew this. And I felt so betrayed because I thought I was being a good citizen by risking my body during this national tragedy. Right. You know, and here I am submitting my paperwork and they're like, nah, nah, nah. We, we, even during this national tragedy, they, they would, they still didn't see my humanity and how I was stepping up. They were still, I was a criminal to them. I still am a criminal to them. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So that's when I decided, you know, screw it. I'm going to be as honest as I fucking want on TikTok and talking <laughs> about it. And I snapped and people loved my snapping, you know, but I, I do it through comedy. You know, I decided to just be as 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 much of a comedian as I've always wanted to be about politics. Like my, my one of my idols, you know, they've always been like Trevor Noah and Jon Stewart and all these guys. Who do mm-hmm. late. Like, you know what, I'm, there's not a lot of people that look like me in that realm. Right. But I really want to be in that realm. I want to make people laugh while educating them, you know? So that's why through TikTok, I didn't know people were going to really react so well to my breaking news and, you know, all the things I talk about, 
being undocumented and, and I'm I'm very happy and thankful that people like do like my stuff in any capacity. Yeah, man. It's I that's how I I found you. I think I think we found each other like at the same time. You um uh you you stitched one of my one of my videos uh when I was when I was correcting gently. Yeah. Still, 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 still love you, hun. Uh, 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 correcting the um, under the under the desk news and like kind of jumped into you know more political TikTok a little bit. You know, kind of my history spin on it, and and you picked up on it and was like, "Hey, this is dope." Uh, <laughs> by the way, like this is all correct, and I started following you and started looking at a bunch of your stuff, and I I loved. Um, which is a topic we're going to jump into in a second, but I loved you were doing, you know, anti-racism work. And I was actually earlier today, just explaining um, my interpretation of what you do to someone. Um, But you were doing anti-racism work, but uh, with a spoonful of sugar, like it was not sugar coating it, but it was, you were doing it with comedy Mm-hmm. And still getting that point across, still explaining things to people, still talking about pretty heavy, you know, thick topics. And but it was funny the whole time. I'm 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 laughing, I'm enjoying it, I'm smiling, and I'm learning something the whole time that you're talking. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and um so one one time so people can can follow you, what's your handle and what's your what's your uh stage name your uh what do you what do you go by yeah um uh on, on tiktok and instagram it's my undocumented ass it's easy it's you know <laughs> people right away and it's it's funny because like every time people meet it's like oh my god it's my undocumented ass and i'm like oh thank you like that like you know me at least like by that and uh and on stage uh che guerrero if you go to my website che you know i'll have uh dates coming up i'm in philly uh, November 16th at the Punchline. If, if you want to see me live, I'm working on new material. I'm I'm cool, very cool. excited about it. I haven't been performing as much since comedy broke my heart, but but people like <laughs> want to see me back up on stage a little bit. So so I'm I'm glad. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I'm glad that you jumped into it a little bit to kind of explain. But I think there's kind of a a misconception of what an undocumented immigrant is. Mm-hmm. And you said something. That's uh, in in your own story, uh, which I think is is really important because it's how people end up becoming undocumented. Is you said that your mother overstayed yeah. her visa? Yeah. So, so just kind of jump into that a little bit. Kind of explain, you know, how do people become undocumented? It's I, I think it's a less uh, I think it's a lot less people just you know running through a fence uh or is it more along the lines of somebody comes here they had a visa and they were like i don't i i I can't go back or there's nothing for me to go back to what's what's kind of like crazy about the u.s immigration system is that like yeah you do only see like the people who come to the border because that's you know centralized that's that's easy to to show on tv you know but uh, every night show the the hundreds of thousands of people who do it the right way and pay into the system to get these paperwork renewed and then are denied, you know, because while we're waiting all these years, because, you know, like 
we came here with a visa and what i guess also like let's just put it this way most people don't realize is like you know a passport is different than a visa uh, that that even took me a while to understand like as americans when you go get a passport you have free reign to about 193 countries that you don't have to request permission to to go there you can go there as long as your passport is valid and you just call america and be like hey i'm going to redo this again and it's much easier not easier but a lot the transition if you wanted to go somewhere else and work there for a while and stuff like that's a lot easier travel visit whatever as a dominican if i get a passport i have 68 countries that i can travel freely and the other 200 countries in the world i have to ask permission to go there you know so it's a very tough thing so that's what a visa is so we asked for permission to come here they gave us a one year we came we went back the abuse got worse, you know, after things that happened here. And my mom was like, I'm going to go back and hopefully they renew the visa. So we came back with like three months left of it, me, my mom, my sister. And we put in the paperwork, you know, we waited around. My mom started building her life. We started going to school, you know, and by the time they said no, we were like, screw it. Like, what are we doing? We're not going to go back because, you know, the abuse. So that's like, what people don't understand either, a lot of people who apply for paperwork and get visas and asylum, you know, they are allowed to stay. They get, you know, permission to work and stuff like that. And then they build the life. These things take 10, 20 years of the paperwork to work, to go through. And then they go, sorry, you're completely undocumented now. You know, like, so there's this, like, so I had my visa, then my mom got married, so I got a work permit. But then that marriage fell through, so my work permit was only good till I was 21. Then at 21... I had to go all the way to Chicago because Illinois was the only place that gave driver's license to people without Social Security. So while people may complain, oh, I got to go to the DMV down the block for about six years, I had to go to Chicago to go to the DMV. <laughs> that was my closest DMV was Chicago. Um, I, had to buy, I had to make sure I had enough money every year to buy my flight to go to Chicago. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yo, I had an uncle who... Literally spend, I'm not lying to you, $10,000 trying to set up residency in New Mexico. He lives in Florida. Bought a trailer, you know, went there every few months because if you set up residency for about a year, you can get a driver's license in New Mexico. Went through all that. And apparently just at the end, he just didn't have one piece of paperwork that showed like this other residency thing and all that work. The guy spent $10,000 trying to get a driver's license. That's... So like... This other residency thing and all that work was funny. The guy spent ten thousand dollars trying to get a driver's license. That's that's insane. I didn't I didn't know that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't I didn't know like how difficult it is. And I think I'm I'm, I'm glad yeah. I, did, I didn't I didn't know like how difficult it is. And I think I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's an important thing that people don't realize is that um, undocumented. Immigrants aren't just like these people that came here to, to, to steal stuff or do something. It's they came here because America, I don't want to say lied. I bet there's a bunch of people in the comments that would be like, no, it was a lie. But it it's it, you don't realize the red tape that you have to go through. Um, you don't realize the, the bureaucratic bullshit that you have to do in order to remain here or just work here or whatever. And people end up jumping through these hoops and they try to do it. And I'm glad you, uh, you brought that up. I like 10, it, it, this, this process takes years, right? Years. 
years. And that's why, you know, a lot of people get desperate, you know, they, they like, you know, like get married. I got that, one of the things like, you know, that breaks my heart is like, I had to get married to someone that I didn't love because I was about to get deported. You know what I mean? So that's, that's another thing too, that like, it's kind of hard to talk about, like, you know, these things that you have to do that if these pressures weren't on you, that you, I wouldn't do as a normal individual. You know what I mean? Like, right. 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 I, I feel, I feel every time I talk about like, I got my paperwork through marriage and now I'm dealing with this. It almost feels like karma because I knew that I did not care for this person, but I knew that I was going to get deported, you know? So, and right, it's, and, it's right. that, that, and it sucks because when we got divorced, you know, even she said it, she's like, I knew you were using me for this and I couldn't deny, it. you know what I mean? Like it's just, it, 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 yeah. it was a terrible situation and it just puts you in these, just these, these situations where you're just trying to get a piece of paper that says you can work or go to school or just follow a dream. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's how, that's how heartbreaking this all is. And and what's crazy too is like you know sometimes I feel guilty because like I'll I'll talk to people about how I came here on a flight or even though you know I have a temporary green card right now I'm in jeopardy of losing it like well you're better than some and it's like every single immigrant you meet is going through their own immigration nightmare you know right yeah it's, it's not a pipeline like oh you're in you're in phase four of Dante's Inferno you know what I mean you're in the seventh right. you know you got about a few more and then you'll get no 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 everybody it's a it's a it's those stairs man it's those stairs everybody's like where are we going what are we doing right yeah yeah and um I think a lot of people don't realize that like it's I think a lot of people think that when we're talking about undocumented immigrants, we're talking about like literally a person that has just just walked over the border, this imaginary line, and now they're here and they're this thing and they're, you know, whatever, leeching up the system. And they don't realize that like, like I think about it from like the perspective of like an American that that was born in America, grew up here. If I lived in pennsylvania until i was six and then i moved to new york and i live here for in until until i'm 32 mm -hmm. I, I live here now if somebody asked me where i'm from i'm gonna say new york yeah and, and it, i think that's a like a good perspective to have on it like the people who come here yeah they came when they were young toddler adolescent yeah. and, and but they've been living here for 20 years they've been living here for 25 years that's, that's a good point to think about actually if you ask my friends who grew up with me since i was in the third grade in new york they'd be like where's Shay from he's like new york you know what i mean yeah like, right, right. From he's he's right he's from new york like they wouldn't say anywhere else because yeah. why would they you, yeah. that's that's who they that's know that's a really good point <laughs> and and that's your experience too that's where you're from where are you from new york i mean because that's 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 the american answer you answer with the state that you're from <laughs> more, yeah like I know Trump is from my neighborhood. Like, I feel me in trouble from the same neighborhood. We're li he's literally <laughs> that rich dude and that poor dude from the same neighborhood. <laughs> no, he really is. Like, I actually lived in one of his old apartment buildings, so that's what's crazy. Oh, no. How'd you get yeah. one of those? He didn't want you to live there. No, it was like, <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah, no, he didn't want me to die. This is, this is the crooked one, bro. This is one, of his, this is one of his last on his last. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so that's the story, uh, you know, that's, that's how people become undocumented. And uh, so 
I I I desperately want to jump into it. Um, we're already laughing here. There's people laughing in the comments right now. Uh-oh. We're having a good time. Anti-racism work is heavy. Um, it, you're an activist and advocate for undocumented immigrants too, and that's heavy, heavy, heavy work. And I feel, especially with the style of videos that you do, especially the new news thing, like you got to tell me the story behind that, like the news, the news anchor thing, uh, because somebody else said it, like the daily show ain't got nothing on you, man. Like these, these bits, I, I, I am dying. They're fun to make. I'll be real with you. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's weird to to make the dream job you've always wanted. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> my dream, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so when doing this kind of work and, you know, doing politics and stuff in your, in your comedy, like what kind of led you to, to that? Was it always a passion of yours? And you did like telling stories? Like how did, how did that come about? You know, it's, it's kind of like, I, I got the luxury that I, you know, when you're a young person and you don't really know what your voice is, you know, like it's really hard to like figure out your ideas of the world. And I was doing comedy since I was 18, man. So if you listen to my my work of stand up, it's like I, I'm almost I sometimes I get a little choked up to hear from like an 18 year old kid literally talking about like, oh, man, it's really hard to get a cab in New York City as a brown man. Like, you know, those first kind of jokes yeah. to getting to the point now where, you know, like it became more about the undocumented and stuff like that. And it wasn't on purpose, but it, it just like I said, first of all, it was like it broke me, you know, being like undocumented and seeing the backlash from people, you know, when they decided to do that. And also I I always found that telling the truth with a sense of humor got me out of trouble all the time as a kid. Like, (laughs) my grandma, God rest her soul, she passed away this year. She hated when I just, like, when I would make her laugh when she was trying to reprimand me, you know? And because that was always like, she's like, God, you're, you're, you know, you're telling me the truth and I should be mad at you, but you're so good, you know? And then, like, And then as I got older, I started to realize, like, with people, like, especially with audience members, you know, going on stage or whatever, um, if somebody says something stupid, right, like, I I like to, I always find that when somebody says something stupid and they're like, oh, God, like, if if you give them a little bit of an out, like, if you're like, yo, dude, like, that was, that was, that was wild, like, you know what I mean? Like, laugh with them and give them a little (laughs) bit of a, like, right? And they go, yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad. That that really helps them like, oh God, that was a moment where I could look stupid and thank you. You know? <laughs> and, and that's why I kind of like I like with my comedy, you know what I mean? Like that's why like, politics I realized like I'm like people always go, hey, and you're breaking news. You don't tag any of the people you're making fun of. And I'm like, no, because I wanna I wanna like even try and make them laugh. Like, like buddy, right. buddy, this is this is wild. Come on, come on. Like watch this and and just think about what you just said, you know, because Look, I'm 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 the kind of person that I wish, like you know, you know, we could just separate ourselves from white people tomorrow and not have to deal with their bullshit because we've been trying to. I'm <laughs> gonna fucking get it, right? Right? They're never gonna fucking yes. get it. But never. The They're time, never gonna get I, it. When I deal with them, I'm at least gonna be like, "Are you gonna at least try and like, come on? I'm gonna make fun of you, but are at least gonna fucking like, come on? Are you, get, are you gonna this. laugh with us? You know, and if you can't learn from this, it's your fault. You know what I mean? So. 
that's just my thing. I've always, I've always, I love humans. I know humans are capable of making mistakes. My family has, I have a very chaotic family, but I always try to lead with humor because, you know, they can't kill you when they're laughing. You know what I mean? So, so <laughs> I, I tell you the truth. I'm making you laugh. You know, I grew up in the hood too. Like people always go, who's your favorite comedians? And I, and I, and I always say my black friends in high school. They were the funniest people in the world because they had to be they had to be real funny and make a very diverse group of people laugh. And they were the best comedians I knew because they were just organic and in the moment and saying real things. And I learned more from them than I ever did from any of the comedians, you know, these white Harvard educated comedians. They don't understand the people, you know? They right, don't understand right. how to crack on someone and make the other person laugh at the same time. That's a skill. Right, yeah. You know, and I love that. I always love when we cracked on each other, but everybody was laughing. <laughs> yeah man I, I i i love that i that that you just reminded me of like me growing up uh like i uh went to a pwi through college and uh a primarily white institution high school college you know all that and that was a survival technique was 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 creating laughter in a space in a room um had been hemmed up by the police and had to start talking real, real fast. Had to start talking real fast and 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 crack some jokes and and make people laugh and and you know give it give it back to them. You know, give them a little little something, but but make them smile and and laugh and come away from the experience yeah. feeling like 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 feeling better, like they learned something and. It kind of touches on a topic we talked about a, a, a few weeks ago, but like call outs versus call in. And I think you do. I, I don't even know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to put it in a box like it's it. You could say you call people out, but there's call out. TikTok exists. That's not what you do. Yeah. You, like you'll bring attention to something, but the whole time, like that person will be like, man, that was a silly thing that I did. I probably shouldn't have done that. Like I shouldn't yeah. have said that. And like, and, you know, it's funny. Cause like there was one video that I did recently of, of like, first of all, there was this woman that I didn't see the cockroach running around her in the back, but people were like, Oh my God, there's a roach. <laughs> I didn't even see that. But people, people in the comments were like, and I'm not saying this, they were they, like, they were making fun of her teeth and they were making fun of like her, her income and stuff like that. And I was like, Hey guys, like, you know, this is how they get us to fight each other. You know what I mean? Like, I'm making fun of her ideologies on immigrant. I'm not gonna make fun of her living situation because I I live with roaches. Do you know what I mean? I have family right, yeah. who don't have healthcare right now and and look pretty messed up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like she's struggling, obviously, and we need to change the system. So sh people like her, even that I hate, aren't struggling. You know what I mean? So right. I'm not going to go in on her teeth and go in on her looks. No, her ideology have just given me more than enough to work with. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I um, I was actually just uh, bouncing some ideas off of uh, a mutual of mine the, the other day and kind of came up with this this thought of kind of uh, it, it, it feels like left leftists and left TikTok gets in we eventually fall down this rabbit hole of like, is it classism or is it racism? And to me, what is racism without classism and what is classism without racism? Like they work in tandem and it, it can't, you can't overhaul the system if you're bickering about whose teeth are worse. Like that is the point of 
white supremacy is to tell you that like like no matter what at least at least you're not brown you know that's that's yeah. it, like like she may be in this you know she might be in this bad situation or she you know her living situation isn't great and mm-hmm. blah, blah 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 but it's because of brown people that's the problem that's yeah. the real issue so to <clears throat> to take her down with her ideology is is the way to go like you you can correct the person and and be like hey they want us to argue about about this part because they don't want you to see what the other hand is doing they don't they don't want you to see that like yeah the policies that these that these cities are putting in place hurt hurt black and brown people disproportionately yeah. but they also hurt they also hurt poor whites just as much yeah. <laughs> and they're 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 hurting all of us so so we could we could probably take them all down. <laughs> like if we, we mean, could, we could band together and do. We could it. take them down. I mean, and, and that's the thing too. That like, I think, I think these. Uh, I'm just using poor whites as just like you know the the general term. Uh, right, 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 they right, think right. they think that we hate them. Do you know what I mean? They don't realize that like a win for us is a win for them. Like like I'm like bro. Like you know if we you know we get rights, you get rights. We all get universal basic income. You get. Wh- wh- why are you seeing a win for us as a loss? It just it's beyond me. You know what I mean? Like. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still fighting, and I hope you realize that a win for me is a win for you. But damn, you are making this hard because I'm trying to win for both of us, and you're trying to keep me down. Like you're an ass, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, um, it, it, like even getting you know really topical, uh, like the 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 uh, affirmative action thing, like dismantling that is as a point of being like, oh, we're gonna you know stop unqualified black and brown people from getting insert whatever widget you think that <laughs> comes along with yeah. affirmative action. I wish I got all this stuff that they, that people think comes with affirmative action. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're able to think that I don't pay taxes or that like every time I go to, I mean, you know, I pay my taxes, but like, like when I go to the store to buy a candy bar, like I'm all of a sudden like I'm documented. I don't pay that tax that you're going to charge me. So don't charge me for that food tax. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Undocumented. Do not charge me for the sneaker tax. I don't pay that. I don't do that. I, got, I can't be haggling my <laughs> taxes for everything. Assholes. Exactly. And, and, and tearing something like that apart. I, all I think is like, I just, there's the statistic in my head that just keeps popping out is that the most people that have benefited from, um, affirmative action have been poor white women. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all are voting against your best interest. This is for you. You're the ones that are going to use it. Like we, everybody at the bottom can use it. That's the whole, that's the whole point the is the lift yeah. is. You know, uh, and rising I mean, tide lifts all boats. <laughs> and if I'm a TikToker said it best, you know, like, for you to say that a, a, you know, black or brown person can't use their race to try and, you know, be like, hey, look, the history of my race has prevented me from getting here. But a white kid can say, you know, can essentially say the history of my white race helped me get here. You know, five generations, baby boy, that's all whiteness. You know what I mean? Like that they are they can use affirmative action is not taking away the ability to talk about race. It's taking people of color's ability to talk about race because white people can do it. You know, what I mean, all their heritage and legacy, that's all inherited from their white race. You know, so that was a very good point that the TikTok made along with, you know, what Judge uh, Kataji Brown said. It was, yeah, it's, it's, it's just maddening. You know what I mean? Like people tell me all the time, every time I, I get on my TikTok, a lot of the comments I get is like, you should be happy you're here. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I can't complain. I can't. 
you know, it's not, I lost my train of thought for a second there, but yeah. 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 But you can't, you can't want something more. And it, you know, that I'm, you're actually making me think of this. Um, I think a lot of people think that because of the kind of work that we do, that we're just complaining and we, we hate America and we want like, we want to destroy it and everything to be bad. And, and, you know, it, and it, it it should be awful because it, it's bad for us. So everybody else should have it bad too. And we want to tear everything down and leave it torn down. And all I think is like, no, like it, aren't we supposed to be making something better? It, it, we critique it and we're upset about it because we care. Like if we didn't care, we, we, we you're right. We would just leave. If it, if this wasn't a country that we wanted to fight for, we wouldn't. I wouldn't argue with you about this. I would. I would just be like, well, I'm gone. Forget it. Forget this place. It's I awful mean, here. They told us the story pretty good for a long time. Now we just realized that you know the benefits are not for everyone. You know the story's good. The story's good. You know, freedom. Yeah. You know, shining hill of liberty. Um. You know, a beacon of liberty. You know, hey, that all sounds great. How about if we actually fucking do that, though? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you guys have been saying this shit for you. We just want we want to live up to your standards. You know what I mean? Like, that's all we're asking you to do. Live up to your fucking standards. Yeah, like I just I I, I completely agree. I can't I, I can't stand. Um, somebody said it in the comments. The the you should be that this kind of repeat of you should be grateful because you're you know, your ancestors fought for you to be here or, you know, you, you know, when your, your, your mom brought you here, that isn't that good enough. Like you're, yeah. you're here, you made it. And it's like, nah, I don't want to just, at, at some point, can we just stop just surviving? We don't want to just survive. We want to live, man. Like there, <laughs> there's some sick white people who, who say like, well, we freed you. And, and you just got to be like, freedom was never yours to give to me. You know what I mean? It's still that cockiness of like, why aren't you happy? We, we No, no. First of all, I shouldn't be happy. I had to fight for my freedom. You were enslaving me. So that's not even, we're not even started with the happiness. I had to fight this way out of this hellhole. So what the fuck are you talking about? I should be happy that you freed me. You didn't free me. You know, right. I mean? that arrogance. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, and, and, and people always ask like, why do we come here? You know what I mean? And, and the simplest thing I was going to say is like, Dude, you you robbed you robbed our treasure. I mean, that's what you're doing. You know, you're you're, you're taking our trees out. You're taking the oil out. You're taking the gold out. You took the, and we know where the treasure is. Why the fuck wouldn't we go and try to get our treasure back? Our treasure is here, man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I yeah, I never even thought about it like that. But I we're not stupid. We know where the resources of our nation are going. The United States. So I'm listen, listen, President of DR. If you're going to give the United States, you know, all of our fucking bananas, I'm just going to go over there and eat the bananas that are cheaper because it, bananas here are so expensive because you got to fucking give them the first batch to them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go where my where my treasure is. That's the, I, yeah, I, did, I, I never even thought about it like that. Like, I've always kind of thought like, oh, the promises of America, the being a great place. But like, it, it, yeah. I I mean that's um, this is a place of learning for me to to be like yeah people who come here they're not ignorant of 
of what's going on. Like, they know that all their resources are being taken by the United States, and that's where all our all of our shit is. They took all of our shit and they put it over there. So we're going to go to where all the shit is so that it could be cheaper. We know economics. We know which countries are doing better than others because of the chain of command of theft. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) We know what's happening. (laughs) That is kind of like what what I realized. So, you know, I I always have like, for me, I didn't start like, uh, like really educating myself about politics. So I was about 27. So, there was like a, a long time in my life where I was just going off instinct. You know what I mean? And I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand a lot of people who live just off instinct for a long time. Like they might not be able to express why they're making these decisions, but there is rationale. They're like, you know, this has happened in my country because of the U.S. The money's there. I got to go there. That's simple. You know, it doesn't take a lot to figure that out. Yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, the, speaking of, I guess, like more political things, you, we touched on this a little, a little bit. But uh, the, speaking of, I guess, like more political things, you, we touched on this a little, a little bit. But a bit, but neighborhood, and then he, he, he was the little bit, but neighborhood, and then he, he, he was the, the little boy who could the, became president um, after. Which I I I want to repeat until I'm blue in the face or I I pass out from it. Donald Trump, in my headcanon, only ran for president to spite Obama because he roasted him so hard at the at the uh, at the White House yeah, during the correspondence. Oh, I'm a Knicks fan, so I I know that origin story. I believe it very much. So <laughs> I I've seen that 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 set so many times and he just goes in on trump for like three minutes and and donald trump just sits back and he's mad and then i'm like eh, that's the only reason he ran for president because he was like well i'm just i'm just gonna do it then <laughs> i just missed that dinner we would have just had a nice four years of hillary no change but you know at least yeah yeah nothing would have been different but it wouldn't have gotten worse um and like i had a lot of friends that um like when he did like the Muslim ban and things like that. Like I had some friends that had gone home. They 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 were visiting family. They were in Syria and they were like, I don't even know the rules. I don't know if I can come back to the United States from because of this. So when Trump was doing all of his stuff and the wall and all of this and all the rhetoric and all of that, what what was that like? I, I you you talked about the comedy thing, but did what was it like in your in your day to day? It it became uh, a lot. I, I, at the time, I wasn't really talking to my family, you know. But mm. like uh, the the little conversations I was having with them, um, they would. It's funny because like before, okay, so this is funny because like as much as I hate Trump, like before Trump, my family thought I was crazy. You know what I mean? Because I uh, I'm Generation One Point Five. If you if you name me something right, like you said. Right, right, right. I grew up six years in DR, but most of my adulthood here, my sister and I, like, she's five years older than me. You know what I mean? So, so I was technically the first person to grow up Americanized, you know? So when I would be talking to my family, like this country's racist and this country's this, my family's like, you know, that local man, he he doesn't appreciate anything. (laughs) He, He doesn't know how great this country is. So then after Trump came, you know, it was like, my mom was like, calling me like, hey, do you think it could get worse? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, it can get worse. Like, I was, you know, really telling her the, the little stuff that I knew at the time, you know, and and I started to really, like, sense fear 
you know, before it always like, oh, we need to do something. We need to figure out paperwork. Then it became like, okay, oh, God damn, I really need to get a lawyer now. Like, you know, we, we, we already got lawyers. And that's right. where like, right. I started to like get worried for myself because I knew that it was, you know, time to either try and renew or become a citizen for myself. And, you know, Trump was, you know, building up his rhetoric. And, you know, it's funny because I didn't think that it is stupid because I wasn't talking about it that much yet. And I didn't think Trump could actually affect me. But then when I spoke to the lawyer and she explained to me, no, the Trump administration actually updated a lot of systems. They're going back further. Uh, It was a couple of tax forms. Uh, (laughs) Look at these tax forms now. And we know that up to the point that you're at now, we can see that there is, you know, and this, there are things that are wrong. There are answers that are not consistent. So, yeah, Trump up. Like, I was like, damn, like, I could, if oh, I had just been under the Obama administration, it would have been a lot kinder. I could have been forgiven for a lot of things. But, yeah. You know, it wasn't in the news a lot, but Trump was changing little codes, little little things here and there that that fucked me, you know. And I was just like, man, like it's it's so easy for these things to go under the radar and just and, and nobody, you know, and that's when I started to also like join campaigns where I found out about like that doctors in in, in uh, immigration facilities were doing hysterectomy on women, you know. And that's the first time where I started to realize, yeah. like, oh, my God, women in these facilities don't have bodily autonomy. They don't have a choice on whether or not they want an abortion. And, you know, that's why, you know, when I started talking about abortion, people were like, oh, great, a dude talking about abortion. I was like, hey, I was talking about women getting hysterectomies in immigration because I know that the way this nation treats its undocumented people, it's a testing ground for what they're going to do to you. Well, yeah. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm that messenger, you know, like I'm trying to warn you, but you're not listening to me because I'm an undocumented piece of shit. Hey, this is how they're treating my people, man. You know what I mean? Trump's putting kids in cages, changing the system, making the code, putting lawyers in. These are all the moves that he's making to learn how to fuck you over. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That, that's what the Trump era showed me. It's like how the most vulnerable are the testing grounds for, you know, what they will do to to the more privileged, you know? Yeah. Um, somebody, somebody throwing up in the comments that he made the application fees much more expensive, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to make the whole process mm-hmm. uh, to even do it legally more, m- more difficult. More difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And and now we have things like and 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 you I, I saw your analysis on this and you, and you, and you did a couple of videos on it but now you have uh, you have Ron DeSantis going to Texas to pick up um, um, migrants immigrants that are coming over the border seeking asylum or legally like they yeah. were supposed to be here and. They came over and he was like, "We're shipping you up to Martha's yeah. to Martha's Vineyard, was it?" Right? Yeah. And then what's even more messed up is that they had court hearings, they had fees that they had paid and all stuff. So like these people were away in Massachusetts and couldn't attend their their hearings. Right. Yeah. And a lot of them had to get you know. Luckily, they got a reschedule. But like, this is the kind of thing where like, I mean, this usually doesn't happen with somebody that kidnaps you and takes you to Massachusetts, you know, stuff like that. But these are the kind of things that like. Even that kind of like, great, now I got to get back down there has just slowed. You want us to figure this out, Ron DeSantis? You just slowed everything out for those 50 people. 
You know what I mean? Like you want them to either right. get, get their paper or get out. You just slowed them down by months by pulling that stunt. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I really do. I think the ACLU is trying to figure out how to, how to sue him over this, but uh, for like human trafficking, because it was, it was a flat out lie. They, they picked these people up, lied to them and told them that they were taking them somewhere else and then drove them to Massachusetts. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand how big the United I don't think Americans understand how big the United States is. Yeah. So if you just say, yeah, I mean, you're going to be on a bus for 20 hours. It's like, oh, OK, whatever. I mean, whatever that means, like <laughs> wherever. Yeah. OK. Wherever I go. Like, cool. That, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it it is what it is. But something that I think is 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 interesting is that this is straight up out of the playbook. Um, have you ever heard of the reverse freedom rides? Yeah, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. I saw it on TikTok, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize that this is, I think it was also Florida, or southern states did the exact same thing to black people in the 60s during the Freedom Rides. They did the reverse Freedom Rides and literally sent them to the same places. They sent them to Cape Cod instead of Martha's Vineyard, but it was the same... Thing and the same reason they flat out lied to people yeah. it was like we'll set you up with a job and all this stuff and all you have to do is just get on this magic bus and it'll take you there yeah. and they dropped them off they told people they were taking them to Chicago they told them that they were taking them to New York and they ended up just dropping them off at Cape Cod at Kennedy's house wow, <laughs> at, wow. at Cape Cod crazy. yeah wow. and there's all these people that have this that have this story of and and that's another thing that I can't stress and is super important. These people are still alive that they did this to. Like they're wow. still around. They're like in their 50s and 60s, but like they're around because it was kids. Buses were. Yeah, the motherfuckers put me on a bus for 20 hours. <laughs> <laughs> they put me on the worst bus that they could possibly think of for 20 hours. I had to sit next to the toilet. Like um, you know what's something, and I'm sorry, I, I do have to get going in a few minutes. I have to actually head into Philadelphia to do my own podcast. But um, yeah. I, I want to tell you this, you know, and I'm glad that, you know, and I, I respect a lot that you're saying, you know, that I'm trying to work on the anti-racism and anti-blackness because, you know, growing up, especially Dominican, you know, anti-blackness is strong in our community. And mm. oh, and it's, it's a lot of things that I had to work on on my own. And the thing that I wish between the black community and the Latin community that we have more solidarity because unfortunately... A, like I'm reading the 1619 project and yeah. a lot of the slave code became immigration law. You know, a lot of the ways yeah. to keep people down and to keep messing with their minds and their status and all that stuff were part of the slave code. You know, these reverse, you know, freedom rides, they're using it on us now, you know, and, and if we learn more of our own history along with black America, so we can learn what they've already gone through and what they've done to help us achieve. Because, I mean, if it wasn't for the Civil Rights Movement, the 1965, you know, Immigration Act wouldn't have passed. You know, Martin Luther King right. actually helped pass that legislation as well so people like my family could even get visas to come here, you know? So so that's the thing that I'm glad that at least, you know, I'm trying to do that part too and, and, and learn more about the history of slavery so I know more the history of the immigration system. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And and I'm glad you touched on it because I was just about to ask you this question. Like, as far as solidarity, uh, and I, I guess I'll ask you this, I'll let you, let you get out of here. What can people do 
especially the black community is an anti-racism podcast. So we're speaking a lot to the black community and, uh, you know, white anti-racist, you, someone discovers that their friend or their friend confides in them. Someone tells them that their, their status, they're undocumented. What can somebody do to help? Is it, is, is the answer do nothing? Is it get some kind of resources or uh, organizations or something that we can work with? You know, what, if I find out that my friend is undocumented, is there something I should do, can do, or is do nothing? The, the, no, you know the what, uh, you know, if, if um, your friend is undocumented, you know, like a lot of us do feel like we suffer in silence. So always being like, you know, hey, you know, don't out for the marry because that's always insulting. <laughs> but just be like, no. <laughs> you know, just always be like, you know, because we, we've tried a lot with lawyers and stuff like that. But, you know, if you happen to know someone, just be like, hey, I know you probably have already tried, but I know some people maybe you can talk to. New information, you know, we always think we know everything, but there are always there there is always new information. So that's always if you if you know a lawyer, you know somebody that you can like extend help to, somebody who's undocumented. That's always great. Um, and I'll be real with you, you know, one of the things that I find the most rewarding now is when I know that my friends want to vote f- on my behalf. You know what I mean? That they're a little more inspired yeah. to vote and be like, you know, I am my brother's keeper. You know what I mean? I got I got to look out for. Him. From a man, you know, like so. I have I've had a few people who who were a little. My partner wasn't much of a voter, but she's like, "Damn, if I don't vote, I can lose my partner." I mean, damn, I could, I, you know, once every two years, I can go right, you know, yeah. do this gesture of love to make sure I keep them, you know. So that's that's the kind of little things you could do, and uh, you know. I love the black community calling uh, me Poppy whenever like somebody, hey Poppy, how are you? <laughs> like, going? I love that all the time. <laughs> um, but there, is, there should be more solidarity. You know, I understand. You know how the black community can feel like we're coming here to undercut them. You know, it's a great tactic to feel like you know we're taking their jobs as well. I I, I understand that, but there should be. And you know, and in, in, in my family, my nieces, my nephew, and I are working on the races. Mexican and older people that we have, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the yeah. older generation of, because of, we're mixed, like we have Mexican, Dominican, older generations and yeah. we talk to them and we're like, listen, listen, that's wrong. You can't do that. And it's, it's about, you know, working with your own family wherever you can, you know, because the thing I see with white people, they're like, oh, that's still my family. I'm not going to argue with them. Yo, I will argue with my mom when she says I'm racist all day because I love her that's and right. I want her to do better. So, you know, so that's that's the kind of thing, you know, it's you got to work within ourselves and hopefully our communities can can really get to the streets together. Like uh, like Freddie Hampton wanted, you know, the Rainbow Coalition. That's still my dream. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that that's that's my dream, too, is is getting getting together, especially seeing a lot of these things and in studying, you know, specifically black American history and seeing the way that immigrants have been treated uh, a certain kind of immigrant has been treated in the last I'll it it's the last 30 years, but I'll say even the last five years, like looking just through the Trump administration to right now, looking at it and being like, I, do, do they know? Like, it's the same playbook. I know what comes next. I, yeah. I've seen, I've seen this movie. I know what, I know what the next thing is that they're going to do. We, 
we should warn them. We should talk to them. We should tell them and, and, and communicate. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of my goal here is that is to keep these dialogues going and, and communicate with people and make sure that everybody knows what's, you know, what the tactics are so that we can preempt them before they even happen. But I'll let you, I'll let you give run into your podcast. Uh, do me, do me a favor. Uh, drop the name of the podcast. Drop your name. Drop where you're where you're performing next, and you know all the handles. Plug everything. Plug plug the everything right now. <laughs> I, I make my stuff very easy. If you want to find my podcast, it's my undocumented ass podcast where I talk to other undocumented people, and we talk about awesome. you know, like I said, about every every immigrant has their own. Every undocumented person has their own reasons why it happened and how it happened. So it's it's, it's more my my own little archive to show you know we were here. You know what I mean? So. Awesome. So that's been really cool. Um, my undocumented ass podcast, uh, TikTok, Instagram, my undocumented ass, com for all the dates. Uh, my next big show is if you're in Philadelphia, I'm at the Punchline in Philly on November 16th, which is a Wednesday. Uh, 8 p.m. is the All Star Show. I'm going to be closing it out, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Che, for uh, hanging out with me. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm probably going to edit this one real, real quick uh, and try to get it out before election day. So uh, this is, I'm going to do this one as a, as a, as a bonus episode. It's going to, it's going to come out and come out more. And I've, I'll have to have you back on, man. We we gotta do this again for sure. Dude, I, would, I would love to come. It was, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Know, like you know, and hopefully, uh, if you're out in New York, you're in New York. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Next time I'm up there, I'll let you know. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. thanks so much, man. I'll I'll catch you. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. All right. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. Um, And please remember this Tuesday, please go vote. November 8th, please go vote. It is your constitutional right. Please go vote. Don't let anybody turn you away. Don't be deterred. They're going to try some tricky things, especially on Tuesday. If you can try to vote early this weekend, but if you can't, uh, please go vote on Tuesday. Um, If you're somehow not on a list, ask for what is called a provisional ballot. They have to provide you with this. They have to. It is your constitutional right. Don't take no for an answer. Go out. Vote. Vote and help people because your vote absolutely counts. But thank you again so much to Che. I had an amazing time. I'm going to link all of his stuff down in the show notes. Um, But we do this every single week on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TikTok, right over there at IDefOverthink. That's I-D-E-F-F Overthink. And uh, yeah, join the conversation live. But do me a favor, rate, review. Uh, We're going to be on Apple Podcasts soon. Uh, I know it took a little bit for us to get on there, but we're going to be on Apple Podcasts soon. So go check that out uh, when that comes up. But stay hydrated. Go drink water right now. Do it right now. All right. I love you. See you next week.